0: Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lease, a sales rep, and A5,000 company helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can find us on all social media channels and at LeaseASalesRef.com. Thank you for listening in. It's going to be a great one today. Oh, it's gonna be a good one today. We got the opportunity to chat with Brian Cardin, the CMO of InVision app. I'm So glad that we can finally get together. Let me just prep our audience a little bit about um, what you guys do. And you can obviously chime in and correct me if I'm wrong. So if you're on Netflix uh, or you're on Amazon and you see a, uh, the buy now button on Amazon that used to be on the right of the screen, when you would go to check out or something like that and all of a sudden it's on the left of the screen or so the bottom of the item uh not on the right of the screen anymore that's probably has something to do with brian and his team somewhere uh and netflix the same thing if uh the ad to your save list for movies as well kind of moves around that's uh, also some of the things that brian's team does at envision now of course in collaboration with the client, <laughs> but uh, they kind of make those things happen. So Brian uh, is the uh, CMO of InVision. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. Good to see you, Gail. Yeah, man, likewise. And uh, I know when we started chatting before we got on the interview here that uh, a little bit about um, the platform and uh, what you guys do, and we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, talk a little bit about uh, you and, and how you ended up as a CMO and uh, kind of landed um, at, at Envision. A little bit of background about you, then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of, of what exactly the platform does. Sure, my pleasure. Uh, you know,
1: after graduate school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had studied marketing and finance. And so, like a lot of young people, I went into consulting. So, I joined a big consulting firm, became a partner there, um, and I was focused mostly on marketing and sales issues. This is at Deloitte, uh, part of Deloitte does strategy consulting. And then I started to see that as some people have noted, technology is eating the world. It's just changing everything. And so I decided that the best course for me as a marketer and a go-to-market leader would be to get into technology. And so I joined several companies, Forrester Research as head of marketing and strategy. And then later Eloqua who went public in 2012. And then I've been in Envision for a couple of years now. And so I just love how technology is making our lives better. It's allowing us to talk right now, even though we're hundreds of miles apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just changing everything, how we communicate with our children, how we get things done. Um, medicine, vaccines, artificial intelligence is just such a vital part of our life. So I want to be part of that as a marketer. It's really an exciting space to be in technology.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, no, absolutely in Deloitte. That name pulls back a bit for us gray hairs here that are, that are, that are, that are listening and uh, and Forrester as well. Wow, um, good good outfits for sure. And I'm sure you're doing a lot of great things there at at, uh, at Envision. I think that um, you guys have been around, I don't know how long um, you guys have been around. We well, got 700 employees, about over 100 million in sales. Yeah, companies. about 10
1: years we've been around. We started 10 years ago. Gotcha. And it's interesting, we started as a fully remote company. We've never had an office ever zero offices, wow. even though we have 700 employees. Mm. So we kind of uh, drink our own champagne. You know, We believe that uh, you can have very enriching digital experiences, just like you mentioned, Gil, with Netflix, we help them figure out how to uh, build their platform uh, and how to build, whether it's Airbnb that uses us or mm. Uber or Amazon or Netflix, or actually we have 100% of the Fortune 100 uh, as customers, which is wonderful, wow. and so they build all their digital applications on our platform, which
0: is really wow. exciting. Wow that that that's uh, that's great. Yeah, and um, I think I think you're at seven hundred headcount and more than hundred million uh, in sales and a couple of exactly. venture rounds. You we were talking a little bit about that and money and all that kind of stuff. And you guys got to keep growing, man. But uh, you got some really good A list clients, it looks like. Um, yes. you know that that's fantastic. So the example of um, of of the platform, right? Uh, kind of that I use on the beginning of the intro, that, um, that the user experience, that's, the, that's basically us on the end of our screen, the back of our screen, looking at, at, a, at a platform, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, and we're looking at something and we're the buyer um, and uh, we go through an experience, a user experience. Uh, and um, that is obviously developed by developers and designers you know, to make it easy for us, the consumer, to kind of get through the process to buy something or have an experience with the brand. Um, So your platform uh, allows the developers, the designers, your clients to kind of, play around with that and absolutely to build the prototypes build their digital store yes you know even uh you
1: know we work for all the big banks in the world every large bank in the world uses our platform to build the mobile apps Mm. that you deposit checks on and you check your balances on and you wire money around and so uh, financial institutions are really big obviously all the companies that are digital first whether it's facebook or Mm. amazon or netflix as we mentioned um and lots of retail stores. So what's interesting is Walmart is one of the biggest digital operators in the world. People are buying so much at walmart.com, but every retailer now has a very large digital arm. And so we're the place where they build out those apps and they build out that user experience.
0: Right, and they build that, uh, obviously, if if they're looking to add a new service or some kind of new offering, they'll build that in the background using your app with the designers and developers, and then somehow block. go live. Yeah, go they'll live. test it. Right. They'll then,
1: prototype it, Yeah, they'll, they'll set it up, they'll do some testing and then they go live. But you know, some of these sophisticated companies, they're doing hundreds of tests all the time. They don't know whether Gil's gonna hit the red button or the blue button. They right. don't know how big to make the button. They don't know what the button ought to say. And so these very sophisticated digital companies are really experimenting and testing all the time You are probably old enough as am I to remember direct mail when direct mail used to do a lot of A-B testing, like we'll send the blue envelope and the red envelope, which one's going to do better or $25 off or 25% off, which one pulls better. And so we don't see this, but in fact, all these digital companies are doing testing all the time on offers, size of buttons, configuration, user experience, etc.
0: No, absolutely. So how does that Work from a mechanics perspective. So you have a client, um, and they uh, they want to you know they want to use the platform, and they want to make some kind of you know modifications to the platform to kind of make the experience easier for somebody to buy something, for example. How do they do that on, on with the platform? And then how do they how does that get connected to the actual platform when it's going to go live? Like, you know, is it uploaded? Is it like already connected and just hit the button and goes? How how does that, those mechanics work?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit like a photographer, like a photographer can take a picture Mm -hmm. and then it can put all sorts of filters on and change it and change the picture. And then at some point they upload it, you know, to the cloud or they send it to somebody. And so that's kind of how it works for us. So we have ways of of stretching things and putting images in and changing the line and changing the transitions and the animation. Like we're not aware of all the thousands of things that happen every time we buy something from Whole Foods or from Amazon, or or we download a movie Mm -hmm. from Hulu. Mm -hmm. So all those things sort of happen as a prototype. Uh, Then uh, there's code that's written to it. They send it to a developer who writes the code and then they uh, make it live but they probably don't send it to everybody at the same time. They probably do an AB test. They may take 10,000 users and they may say, hey, let me have Gil and 10,000 other users try this experiment and let's see how well it performs. Does it make you watch more movies? Does your satisfaction rating go up? Does your session length go up? Does your level of engagement go up? Mm -hmm. Like, do we come back? Like instead of coming back to Netflix every three days, you come back every two days. So they're looking at the metrics all the time for
0: these tests. And so they're constantly changing. Are the does the consumer know? I think we have chat about this. Does the consumer know that a new button is being added or something is being moved? Are they aware of this or it just happens and you take the data on the back end?
1: Sometimes uh, a company wants the user to know and they'll say, Hey, there's a new experience and we want to get your ratings, or sometimes you go on, and they'll say, Hey, something's new here, and they'll give a pop-up that says, Hey, Gil, you wanna see, want to learn more about this experience? But most of the time, they're so subtle, you don't even see them. So I'd say 95% of the time, there's subtle changes that are being uploaded all the time into the software. Uh, Maybe it's happening overnight. Uh, Maybe it's happening while you're you're talking here, like your other apps on your laptop are uploading. So uh, those things are happening all the time. But every once in a while, there's a major release where the thing just looks so different. It goes from black to white, or from an orange color to a blue color, or Mm -hmm. everything's changed. But most companies these days do more subtle changes. Uh, they don't want to do sort of a grand reveal. They're sort of testing things along the way.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because um, I know that um, uh, that some of the um, pl- digital platforms like the the Amazons, the Hulu's, the Netflix, all these kind of um, streaming type of services, online services, they are um, you know modifying stuff along the way. And I, as an example, I'll just digress here to email when an email provider platform they change and say but we have a new user look an interface exactly you like to change and me i'm like no i want to i want to stay the same till i have to use the new interface right i want to keep it the same right why because i don't everybody's so pressed for time and i wonder if it's better just just from a user experience or from the provider perspective meaning the client or your client that they are just like doing all these little changes little by little and not really um letting the user know it's happening versus saying well here's the new netflix experience and here's the old click here you want to try the new i'm like me no i already know how to do the old i don't want to learn anything new again uh so i mean i, I don't know that, that, that's a marketing thing i guess from a well, it reminds me of old Coke, new Coke. Like, don't take away my old Coke. Like, I love the taste of it. No, 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 this
1: is better. Gil, you're going to like the new product better. No, 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 I like the old product. And so uh, companies have to be very sophisticated because there are a lot of customers like yourself who are very uh, embedded in how it looks and how it feels and the expectations. And so that's what I mean. They don't want to have these grand reveals, major changes. They want to do very subtle things. So over time, you get you know very comfortable with it. There have been situations where companies have made major changes in the user experience and people turn off, they just exit or they switch somewhere else, they go to a competitor. So they have to be very careful and not um, sort of uh, not recognize that a lot of customers don't like change and they feel sort of overwhelmed. You know, Just think about it. I don't know how many apps you have on your phone, but the average person has over hundred apps. And if every app is changing all the time, you're going to be very confused very quickly. So everything has to move very, very gently. But if you look at Amazon two years ago from where it is today, you won't even recognize the two, but it's happening so gradually and they take people through
0: the journey that they've managed to keep people along for the ride. Yeah, that's uh, not a very, very good point. I don't even remember what, you know, the changes were if there were any. So I just, you know, just, there's stuff. something
1: on the, you can go to the Wayback Machine and actually see what things like Yahoo or Amazon or Google uh-huh. search look like. And it's just, it's stunning how different it looked like a few years ago. So they're always trying to improve it.
0: I got you. So, so when the, a customer, I guess, comes on board, I'm assuming that a lot of the uh, InVision app, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, clients um, are going to be tech online kind of... Uh, shopping experiences you know streaming uh, various things like that versus maybe i, I, I don't say old school but healthcare has gone a lot digital but but healthcare as an example like a hospital network you know going on with your platform so is it safe to say tech software is that where you're playing for the most part it's
1: every company that has a digital footprint so mm-hmm. it could be a very traditional business you know even something like Disney theme parks. Oh, that's a theme park. I drive to the theme park. Well, they have an app for their parking. They have an app for the rides that allow people to do a fast pass to get in the front of their line. So you just don't realize it, that even physical businesses have a huge digital business. Um, when I make a hair appointment, I don't pick up the phone anymore. I go to the website and I book a hair appointment. And so someone's working on that. So virtually every physical business has a digital side to it. As I mentioned, even financial services, Goldman Sachs or Bank of America or Wells Fargo Bank, all these companies have just huge uh, digital
0: presence. Uh, So we're a big part of that. I got you. So you're operating then in a a couple of or multiple verticals. Do you find yourself- Virtually
1: every industry. So even a university, just Mm -hmm. think about a college. Okay, so I apply. Well, how do I apply? I apply online, like there's a digital application. And then I upload my letters of reference and I upload my college board scores. And then the university gets them. Then they send you a note, we received them. Then you send something back. Then you get your acceptance letter. Nothing like that happens physically anymore. Mm -hmm. I have a friend whose daughter just applied to medical school and there's zero physical stuff going on. It's 100% digital. So applying to medical school, even the interview like happens like this, like human beings aren't getting on planes and doing stuff or walking into stores anymore. Think about the travel agent you used to talk to think about the bank teller. There's just so many jobs that have sort of disappeared um, to digital means. I'm even looking at your backdrop, at least a sales rep, right. like a lot of sales reps have been replaced by digital experiences. Mm-hmm. You know uh, right now, Tesla, you can buy directly. Mm-hmm. There's still a role for a really great sales rep to convey information and help people through the process and do it. But a lot of categories have completely moved to digital and bots and um,
0: the different kinds of experiences without human beings yeah that's uh yeah it's very uh very interesting i wonder um so a lot of the let's say the business community the business sector um, is involved with uh user experiences based on their websites mobile apps all those kind of things i wonder how government um how government has responded to this kind of wave and is government um you know and i'm looking at universities and many 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 universities are are, are government, they're they're public universities, supported by the states and would like to, but there's a lot of private ones, right? But government, I wonder if if, if government is using these kind of services. They're all using it. I'll give you an example of a really bad experience.
1: Do you remember trying to get an appointment to get a vaccine for COVID? Do you remember how screwed up this thing was? Yeah, it's fired. like the website was just terrible. They weren't prepared. That's an example of a really bad user experience. Okay. Like they didn't have a good user interface to get your vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other good experiences. Like I know a lot of people who go to the Social Security Administration, ssa.gov, mm-hmm. and they can get their calculation of what their social security is and they get all their earnings. There are lots of good examples. Um, I have friends who are veterans mm-hmm. and they find that they can get their benefits as veterans. They can make doctor's appointments. So the government definitely is thinking about not just to have great user experiences, but how do we replace mm-hmm. human beings on the phone, thousands of people on the phone that have to answer questions with digital experiences? Just like banks have replaced a lot of people with digital experiences,
0: all government entities are doing that as well. Some are doing it better than others. Yeah, moving people to the web and, um, and just other mechanisms, uh, phone systems and life, like to keep people off of, of, a, of a direct body. Um, given- now,
1: I used to think, I got to say, here's my bias, sure. I used to think that the human to human experience is a better one, and everyone would rather deal with a person. Mm-hmm. But as I talk to young people in particular, they say, why would I want to talk to a human being who's going to put me on hold for five minutes, doesn't have the answer, I'd rather just talk to a bot or AI, I'd rather deal with an application with a, a web application. Mm-hmm. So increasingly, uh, we're seeing that digital experiences
0: can actually be better than human experiences. Yeah, that's um no that yeah for the younger crowd and the millennials and the, gener- the Gen Xers or something like that I, from what I understand.
1: I even find that to be the case. I could go to the supermarket and have a pretty bad experience, or I could buy everything using the supermarket's app, where I have a really good experience. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some real questions. Um, you know, I know ourselves. Uh, we have always had a big customer support function where customers who are challenged or need help. And we have human beings and we started to move to bots and automation where people can find answers themselves and we looked at the satisfaction scores and promoter scores and they're actually higher when they interact with
0: software rather than they interact with a human being which was shocking to me yeah that's shocking to me too (laughs) oh wow um that that kind of if you kind of this is not the purpose of our conversation if you peel back the onion a little bit i wonder if because the experience with humans has been so bad with yeah. customer service. Exactly. <laughs> so they don't have to deal with the attitude or not knowing the information or, or what have you, not even to deal with a, a automated system. Um it's kind of a reflection of where we are today. Exactly. <laughs> like, I suppose that's uh um, exactly. you know, fascinating. Um so when a client when a client um reaches out to you guys uh and engages or or begins a a discovery. We call it discovery. Sure. I don't know what you guys we, call it. We call it uh, that too. First oh, okay. call is a
1: discovery call.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, to kind of chat with you about some challenges they're facing, some things they want to look at, or fixing their interface or what have you. How does that process go to engage with you guys to do that? How's it work? Well, as you know, there are a couple of different
1: motions. One is we have an outbound motion to accounts that have shown some intent. They've come to our website. They downloaded something. They've watched something. Maybe they've gone to a website. Uh, maybe they've actually read a review of some of our competitors. So then we have an outbound motion where we call them and, uh, we start engaging with them and that's usually done, uh, by a inside sales rep who has some information. Um, we have, uh, a belief that we should respond to people right away. And so our SLA our service level agreement is within 20 minutes. We want to get back to people who have expressed an interest, Mm -hmm. um, And usually we make seven calls and we send out about five emails. So Mm -hmm. persistence really matters in this day and age. Like think about I have email blockers and I have phone blockers and it's very hard to reach people these days. Mm -hmm. And so we have an inside sales rep who would call them, uh, say, Hey, I saw you were downloaded. Something Uh, looks like you have a, you know, they would do the research. They would try to have a discovery call to identify whether there's a pain point or they're in a search. We try to get to them very early with something called intent data that I mentioned, people who are very early in the search. So we have an outbound motion and we also have an inbound motion from our website, from our campaigns where someone says, hey, my name is Gil and uh, I'd like to talk to a sales rep. And so that's wonderful. And that goes directly to the rep in that territory. All of our accounts are assigned and it goes directly to the rep and we tell the rep to respond right away. And then we track conversion rates we also try to record most of our calls mm-hmm. um, and uh, just like this call is being recorded and you ask me permission, we do ask permission to record the calls and we use AI to sort of crawl through the calls for what is mentioned, they mentioned a competitor, they talk about price, are they looking for certain features. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who is the champion? Uh, Are you the influencer? Are you the final decision maker? So that's all part of the discovery call. But we find that recording
0: the calls, having a transcript is very helpful and very educational for the sales organization. So once they come into your funnel and obviously they've spoken to someone initially and there seems to be some kind of need there, obviously there's a lot of technical stuff that's going to go on here and and a a plan or a program or something like that. Um, I'm assuming that that's it, they get they speak to a another person, technical person, or some, yeah. you know, okay. Yeah, to kind of go through that, like what what, what do you have in mind specifically and um, how do we uh, engage? And then you come up with a proposal, I'm assuming. For, well, let me slow it down for a second. You know, a big ahead. part of, I think the sales job is also disqualifying
1: opportunities. Oh, I agree. <laughs> so, uh, you know, think about it. What a waste of time. If everyone's qualifying, qualifying, you spend months working on the account and it's, it's a small deal, it's just a thousand dollars or it's not a good fit for you, mm-hmm. or there's something later on you discover that's a deal killer. Let's say they need a high level of security, or you got to be HIPAA compliant, or you can't have a database located in a certain country. So you want to get those disqualifiers out of the way. Mm-hmm. I find that uh, uh, a lot of reps are always looking at things with rose colored glasses. They're very optimistic about everything. And so we try to have a really good disqualification process and to disqualify people that say, thank you for your interest, but we don't really do that. I think it's hard for a lot of reps to actually use those words to say, that's really not a good fit for us. We suggest you talk to somebody else or another company. And so I think disqualification is, is really a uh, really a big deal. Um, uh, another big part of our selling motion, if I could, is sort of, I mentioned we have 100% of the Fortune 100. So it's not all about new logos. It's expanding in existing logos. So mm-hmm. we have a really good land motion and the expansion is just a huge part of our growth. So I mentioned Disney. Mm -hmm. So let's say we're Disney amusements, uh, theme parks, but we haven't penetrated yet Disney animation or Disney films or Disney retail stores or Disney licensing or Disney whatever. So that's a big part of what we do. We get into one part of the company and we try to use that relationship to go wall to wall. And for us at least, more than 50% of our new dollars are coming from our installed base. These thousands of companies that currently use us But we don't have all the users we could. The TAM, the total available market to us, Um, or sometimes we call it the uh, the potential uh, market, you know, Pam, potential account market.
0: Right, you're going horizontal instead of vertical. Exactly right. Within the the accounts, which is they're big enough. So I mean, obviously, absolutely, lot of opportunity there um, to do that. Yes, I guess once you just qualify them, obviously, yeah, we we don't have quite frankly our organization. Um, we don't have any issues to qualifying people. so yeah. <laughs> because we, we this that's is smart. You know, time, right time is, is money and we don't want to spend our wheels with uh, people that are not qualified, can't pay, um, can't buy the service the product our clients have and it's just just we're not the right solution. that's all and exactly you know, move on to another provider that can meet your needs. Um, so that said, um, then once they they're qualified they they are I guess speaking to someone else, about specifics, I suppose, about a particular. Yeah, we
1: get a lot of specifics. Sometimes right. we'll match yeah. up their technical person with someone technical on our side. Mm-hmm. We'll understand their use cases. They're going to want to get some references, speak to other people in their industry who've had right. you know good experience with us. So mm-hmm. we try to provide that. You know, um, very often they'll ask for a proof of concept, like they'll ask for a sandbox. Could give us a little instance of your product. We want to play around with it, look at it, mm-hmm. and and work with it. So mm-hmm. we let them do that. Um, so that's all part of the sales process. And, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, some deals close really fast and some deals take a long time. And uh, we try to look at two things. We look at conversion rates, what percentage of the opportunities are closed one. And uh, we also look at cycle time, which, as you know, really matters. If time is money, then a deal that takes three years is not as valuable as a deal that takes three months or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at that. We found certain industries or certain um factors are predictive of longer cycle times. Mm. Um, Very often it's a security audit or there's a a purchasing committee, you know, where things get stuck. Um, Very often there's, if it's uh, uh, multiple countries, a lot of decision makers, um, you know, I'm sure you see this all the time, you know, Mm. deals that just have a long cycle to them. Sometimes those are the best deals because once you land them, you're in and uh, it took a lot of hard work and you really built a trust over the course of that selling relationship. Mm -hmm. And once you're in, you can expand quite a bit, but those are hard to penetrate. And uh, those are very challenging to pursue a client over six months or a year or two years, certainly Mm -hmm. government education, the lots of sectors that are good examples of super long cycle times. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes tries people's patience to, to stay, stay with it. Do you guys ever run into that where you're Focus on something? And do you guys have the patience and the, the will to stay with an
0: account even though it's maybe a year cycle time? Uh, personally, in our organization, we will walk away from deals that take too long uh, and people take forever to make decisions. And yeah. we will um, uh, move them along in the decision-making cycle to, to make a decision and give us concrete feedback versus staying in a, in, in a uh, indecisive kind of mode. Um, so we will, we will walk away and we'll close out the, the discussion. And then when they wake up, you know, we'll be here, uh, 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 you know, ready to serve and ready to work together. If that's the case, or they went in another direction, uh, that's fine too. Because quite frankly, um, we believe, uh, and it's, it's just a personal, probably me issue, but we believe that, um, that, uh, if your organization, no matter what size, um, there are two, three top decision makers in that organization. Yes. I don't care how big it is. Uh, and and but everybody is afraid to make decisions and they want to get everybody on board to make a decision so that was something, God forbid it's the wrong decision. Right. We all made it together. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's bureaucracy, my friend. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and yeah. Uh, we've seen that. Yeah. The whole cub of your ass. Like, no one wants to be on the line. It's like we all hold exactly. hands. We're in this together. If we screw it up, like, there's no one
0: person you can point to. Exactly. Yeah. I came out of corporate. So, so we will walk away uh, from those because it's going to frustrate our people, our team. It's going to take up resources. So, listen, when you guys are ready, we'll reach out in three, four, five months. If you're closer, great. If not, man, we didn't waste our time anyhow. So, so that, that's the way I see it. Uh, You know, Gil,
1: two things you said that are really interesting. One is you look for specific feedback. And we tell our reps all the time, like, if the feedback's very vague, hey, it was a really good presentation. No, 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 you got to dig into the details, what worked, what didn't work. And very often, we found that uh, customers sometimes are hesitant to be that specific. But that's good salesmanship when you're really digging at those details.
0: and but no, you're absolutely right. And one one, you know, one, know, thing that we also learned is they don't give you the detail you're seeking and they're still evasive. That tells you something else. So you're yeah. still getting an answer, not yeah. the one you like, but it's like, well, I, well that tells you really they're not ready yet. They're not serious. They're talking to a lot of other companies or providers or say, okay, that's fine. That really, you gave us an answer. You, you weren't direct about it, but you did by not telling us what we are asking and i and then and we will ask it in multiple ways we will push them into a corner exactly. nicely um and uh and uh sometimes they respond and sometimes they're smart and they get it they know exactly what we're doing uh when we're asking for the information listen we're trying to make sure that we can help and we don't want to waste your time and i don't want you to waste ours. i mean so that's being very honest and very direct and gracious with love and caring and grace uh, we try to do it not all the time, to be quite frank, um, but that's just the way it is. But uh, not you guys are doing some great work there. I mean, it, it's clearly uh, with that, that kind of uh, clientele and, and uh, across multiple verticals, um, you know, because of the digital experience and the user experience on multiple levels, mobile apps, desktops, laptops, you know, all that I kind of, of stuff industry verticals, I mean, then you're going, now you're in those, these big clients and you're going horizontal, which makes a lot of sense. So you guys are clearly uh, doing some really good things there. So now we're going to get to the, to the lightning round questions. And this is the kind of the fun stuff. Um, so, uh, are you a coffee drinker? Yes. Hot or cold? Definitely hot. Okay. (laughs) Great. Uh, do you like hot dogs? No. Okay. Hamburgers? No. Okay. Uh, pizza? Yes. Okay. Talk to me about a topping on your pizza.
1: Uh, I do like very thin pizza, very simple margarita pizza. Don't load it up with a bunch of toppings. I don't like it thick. I like it. They have, they serve it in Napoli. I like it very thin crust. I know a lot of people like thicker crust, softer, doughy things. I don't like that. Super right. thin, beautiful crust, minimal ingredients. I'm sort of a minimalist. When they start yeah. piling on things, it's not a pizza anymore. It's I got it. <laughs>
0: It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Thank you. <laughs> right, right, right. I got you. Uh, so you are Android, Apple. Oh, uh, all Apple all the way. Yeah, you okay, have yes, the creative elements and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people in the space marketing and yeah, I got you. So when you're um when you're doing driving or, or you're working out or you're riding a bike or whatever you're doing, are you listening to music or you are you listening to a podcast or you know what are you doing? Uh, it's always music that I listen okay. to. gotcha okay no that's great uh and if um if you had the ability to go anywhere uh, and money and time was not an issue where would you go
1: that's a great great question uh i'm fascinated yeah (laughs) i'm fascinated by asia southeast asia so i've been to some parts of it but i would spend more time there get to know the culture it's so different i spent a lot of time in europe on business and i kind of think They're a lot like us in North America. Uh, And so visiting different countries. I've been to Japan about a dozen times. I'm just fascinated by how different that culture is. So I love to spend time in China, in Thailand, Philippines. That's where I enjoy going.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, that's great. And uh, uh, another uh, question here. And um, it doesn't have to be business. Your answer doesn't have to be business related. It doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, If you had a superpower um, given to you, what kind of superpower would that be to do what, whatever it is? It had to be business. It can, it can be business. Some people will do that. It doesn't matter. It can be personal. doesn't matter. Uh,
1: To be a great scientist and to heal people like the world is hurting so much from so many things. So I wish I was more of a scientist than a marketer, although I love data science uh, but if I could cure diseases and help people that are afflicted with problems and challenges, I'd love to be able to do that.
0: Powerful. Yeah, um, that, that, that is excellent. Amazing. Um, thank you for sharing uh, some, some personal stuff uh, as well. And uh, so 30-second wrap-up, um, uh, the InVision app, uh, value prop from the CMO, uh, you know, this is what we do and, um, you know, wrap it up for us in 30 seconds. You know
1: the world's going through a transformation, and sort of COVID has certainly accelerated that. People are having digital experiences, and every company is building apps and mobile experiences. And so, if you want to build the best customer experience in the world, we're the platform to do it. Like every company in the world uh, that has a great user experience is using Envision to do it. And so, uh, if you're not using Envision, you should think about it. So, the great experience you have getting your films from Netflix, or buying products from Amazon, or getting a car from Uber. Those experiences were all, all built on the Envision platform.
0: Excellent, excellent. We were chatting with Brian Cardin of the Envision app, the CMO. They're doing some great work there. Listen, thank you so much for being on the show. Enjoy chatting with you. Listen, may this year be a breakout year for you guys and that you may experience girls that you've never experienced before. All thank the you best, so much. All the best. Much success to you, my man. My pleasure. Thank you, Gil. Well, all right, man.